Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Meir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. And I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. All right, Tyler. Today is one of our favorite kind of things to do is to bring on a guest because you don't get to listen to me and Tyler. I think yeah. people have done that long enough. First guest of the, the new season. Of season two, right? Yeah, so we, new year. Yeah, we've got Logan Bowers here, who's a real estate investor and a real estate agent. And I want him to kind of give us his story, tell us a little bit how he got into real estate and what he's got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Super glad to be on. Thank you guys for having me. And um, I'm excited about today. Yeah. Uh, this is my first podcast of 2023 as well. So nice. I'm excited. We're getting you going. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I am born and raised here in Lafayette, Louisiana. I have a background oil and gas. I'm, you know, just your regular old South Louisiana college dropout. Uh, <laughs> you know, tried school for a little while because that's what I was supposed to do. You know, I was going to be a doctor and have a title like Marcus. But right. that, that didn't work out. That didn't work out. I wanted to play golf. <laughs> and drink and do all kind of other stuff more than that. Um, so I ended up getting out of college and going straight into the oil field because I thought that that was the only way to make six figures as a, you know, college, no college degree right. in South Louisiana. That was the only path I saw forward. So I got into the oil field, did that for a few years, and I really had no interest in investing. Honestly, I was super happy uh, being an employee and climbing the corporate ladder. When I say happy, I was not fulfilled. I was kind of miserable, people controlling my time, but I didn't know any better, so that was all I knew. Right. My parents could different than happy. Yeah, yeah. My, my parents <laughs> controlled my time, and then school controlled my time, yeah. and then now an employer controlled my time. Right. So I, my time was controlled by somebody my whole life, so yeah. I wasn't happy, but it was just normal. That's right? what you knew. That's what yeah. I knew. Yeah, yeah. So I had a manager um, who really poured into me, and he started like introducing the idea of investing to me. And when he first introduced it, I was like, I don't really know about this. I'm not super interested in this. And he's talking about like retiring and like trying to retire early. And like, that was all foreign to me. Did you your know? family have any background in that? I'm just curious. No real estate okay. investing. Both of my grandparents own businesses, yep. um, but only a couple of my aunts and uncles were business owners. So it kind of, I don't I guess they maybe saw some of the hard times and tough things in business. One of my grandpas had a, okay size business. The other one had a fairly big business and did very well, but he even worked in the business basically until he retired. So yeah. it, it wasn't a, I didn't know anything about owning a business or having passive income or, you know, they were operators of their businesses, even though they, they owned them. So I, that's all I saw and kind of had that model for me. So I didn't understand what early retirement was. Like I was planning to work till I was 65 and quit at that point, hopefully. And hopefully I had enough money because I didn't have any real plan. So this guy starts kind of pouring into me and he's like, Hey, like, first of all, like, do you know Jesus? And that answer was no at the time. Right. <laughs> so he kind of helped me with that. He was like, led me to Christ. So that Amen. was, you know, kind of instrumental for me, not just with investing. And then he started like talking about real estate and he had bought a few properties and he had went to some seminars. Um, one of his family members was very wealthy and in business and wanted to get into real estate. So he paid for both of them to go to one of these courses that you see, you know, like the fan Merrill, like, right. you know, come to the Carlton sheets. Remember those? But they went into like, they went like three sessions deep. Right. So they went wow. to the free one, they paid for the first level and then they went to the second level. Right. So they spent a, or the relative spent a fair amount of money sure. um, getting this education. Yeah. So he bought a house and just literally cut the grass and put it back for sale and made like 20 grand. So he was on wow. fire. He bought a couple other properties. So he's telling me about this stuff and I'm like, man, I'm not really interested in this. Like, <laughs> he's like, he wants to flip houses. And I'm like, it's like, so we have to like 
decorate them? Like, are we like picking out the colors? I'm right. like, like, dude, this sounds horrible. Okay, right, right. right. So then he gave me the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that oh, was yeah. in about a month before I actually got let go from that job. And I read this book, and I'm like, oh my god, this dude is talking about me. Like, I'm the poor dad, right? Like, I have all these golf clubs and things that are not real assets. Yeah, that I own a bunch of assets. liabilities, right? Yeah, yeah. Nothing but liabilities, right? It's funny because rich dad, poor dad, I tell people it's like the gateway drug. Yeah, it is. Of, of the whole mindset of business and entrepreneurship, right? In right. investing. Absolutely. And so when I read it, I was I was so set on buying something, but I only had like maybe like thirty thousand dollars, right? And I'm like, what can I buy with 30 grand? So I like, I like that all kind of stuff, man. I like that um, the ice machines before they were like super popular. Like this is like in 2016, the bulk ice places. And you could get one set up back then for like about $25,000. Yeah. And I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going to make these coins. I'm going to make all this change, you know. I'm going to have cash flow coming in. And Hillary was like, dude, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyways, a month later, I get Lego from the job. A week before that, we find out we're having our first kid. <laughs> Right. Um, and so I was free. Yeah. I was kind of mad because I like, was like, you guys don't see my value, right? You know, right, right, right. I'm upset at the company. I'm yeah. mad at them. But um, I was in operations my whole life. So I start selling rainbow vacuums because I had a demonstration done months oh, wow. before. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. And dude, you're like the poster child. Yeah, dude, like, I love this. Yeah, I'm like learning. Yeah. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. So this is so I go and, you know, the same guy that tried to get me to invest in the real estate was like, hey, man, you know those rainbow demonstrations that we had done? I was like, yeah. He's like, what do you think we go and like check it out? I'm like, all right. So we go. I was also cutting grass at the time, too. I was like, I called my cousin who I cut grass with in college. I'm like, hey, Naturally. dude, I need a job. I got I to gotta make some money, right? So yeah. I start cutting grass, and then I'm selling rainbow vacuums door to door at night, and I'm just crushing it. And I don't know, like, I, I don't know sales, right? But I'm like, every time I leave the appointment, I'm like, oh, my God, I just got to hang out with these people. And I made money. Like, this is like magic, right? <laughs> and so that's when I really discovered that, like, sales was what I was wired for. And, like, I should be doing sales and not really be in operations. And my whole life I was taught that salespeople are bad, that they're mean, that they're greedy, right? Because my parents were in operations, right? Oh, yeah. Mom was the VP of finance for a, for a natural gas company. Um, so she was yeah. counting, right? And my my dad was a you know laborer. He worked for my my grandparents' companies, you know. So they didn't really. Well, they get all the glory. I mean, the salespeople, yeah. right? At least from the other people's perspective, they what the hell do they do? Right, they, they, do they, they don't they don't do any of the paperwork. Yeah, yeah but they did the lifeblood of the business. They are. And so I, <laughs> I was in an oil field business where they had we had two salesmen that were generating you know. $40 million of revenue a year yeah. and they would sell jobs and be like, we can't do this. We don't even do this. And we'd have to operations. We'd have right. to get all the stuff together yeah. to go sell a job that we didn't really do. Right. And I didn't recognize at the time, like how valuable these guys were. I mean, these guys single hand, one of the guys single handedly was probably generating five to $8 million in profit a year for this yeah. company. Wow. His bad month was probably why you got let go. That's right. <laughs> so, so he bought too many rainbow vacs. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so, so, so I'm deep in the rainbow vacuum game. I'm yeah. cutting grass and I, I'll never forget this member this day my entire life I'm literally wearing a shirt for the company that let me go I'm sitting in my living room I have boxers on and I have my computer on my lap and I was applying for jobs I worked for Halliburton at one point and okay. I was on the Halliburton website applying for jobs and I'm watching ESPN first take and Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless are arguing about something right and like I literally remember this exact moment and I'm like I am trying to get back into the boat that I hated being in. Like I'm trying to get back into the boat that I like, I don't want right. to be in at all. And so I'm like, this is the definition of insanity. I called Brandon and was like, Hey dude, 
let's do this real estate thing, okay. right? So that's when we got started, and so we started flipping houses and then I remember that. rentals. Yeah, and then the billboards with the with the checkbook. Billboards, and then I ended up getting my license, <laughs> and so kind of the rest is history. Now I've owned I think um, 137 doors currently, yeah. um, and just bought a bunch of real estate, and now I like to teach about it. But that's kind of how I got into the game. Was I was just a regular guy, college dropout, right. and got introduced to Rich Dad Poor Dad, and decided, hey, I'm yeah. going to start flipping some houses. Well, I, I think I kind of came, I'm trying to think how I got to know you. I think it was just seeing you, I'm always appreciating when people like step out and do things. So like when I saw you and Nate Moore had the podcast, yep. but then when you guys, when you had, you talk about Brandon, I think it's Brandon Prudhomme, yep. you had power investors. Right. I remember the billboard, I was like, yes. this dude, I remember thinking, this guy probably doesn't even own that many properties and he's on a dang billboard. But then I was kind of like, but that's the reason why he might get a bunch of properties. Yeah. And you had the, then you have the checkbook out. Like uh, you're checkbook, <laughs> yes. Brandon had cash and I had a checkbook, right? Yeah. I love it. So those billboards were terrible yeah. for lead generation, but they were excellent for validation. Gotcha. Okay. So my sphere then saw me as a real investor because, you know, you do something that's different. You step out, you start a business yeah. and your family's like, they want to protect you because they're all employees and they're like, no, that's scary. That's, there's risk there. And they're right. trying to stop you because they love you, not because they don't want you to succeed. Right. But it feels like they're fighting against you. Well, that gave a lot of validation. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. You get on a billboard that now you're legitimate. Um, I've had some other friends do it, yeah. and it did the same thing for them. So. It's super powerful, though. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah, and so... So um, we started doing live videos. It's probably yeah. I, I would, people would literally walk up to me and be like, "Hey," and they would talk to me like they knew me. And I'm like, "What is going? On? I don't know you." But we were doing live videos. We went to a Grant Cardone conference, and um, they were like, "Do live videos. Like live is lives are where it's at, right?" And they, when live videos were just coming out, so we would get on there and we would walk through our flip houses and show people around, and yeah. people just love that, right? And that may be where too where you and I got connected because that's probably at the time I started doing live and kind of the same things yes, you're experiencing. You were. It was at I, your other office. Yeah. When somebody, I remember somebody came up to me. I still remember this. I was at an open house with my wife and I, I forget why we were, we were just one of those Sundays looking around and somebody said, I know your voice. You're that accounting guy. And I'm thinking like, I don't have that many people who watch these videos, but yeah, yeah. To, speaking to the point of the power of getting your brand out there and people start to recognize you as an expert. If you start putting out some decent content. Yeah. You, you think they're not watching cause they don't, yeah. they might not comment or like, but right. for every person that does that comments, excuse me, or likes your post, there's 15 of them that are watching that will never right. say anything, right? right? Yeah. And so it, it's it's a lot more significant than you think. But in the moment, you're like sitting there waiting like, oh, nobody like this. This must not be good. Or when you're doing it, you have three people on the live. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 All right. So, okay. So you, you, you kind of got into real estate, started flipping houses. Yeah. Flipping houses okay. and then buying rentals with the, the profits from those flips. Okay. So tell me a little bit about... For somebody who's hearing you and they're going, okay, like I'm the guy working the job and I've got the, because it always happens this way. It's kind of like I, they, somebody's mind gets opened. The rich dad, poor dad is yep. generally what opens their mind. I read it in college. I was the same way. I was like, what can I buy? So that person who's there sitting going, okay, I work in a day-to-day job, but I've been, t- I've been told my whole life to get the job, get the 401k. That's all secure. But I'm seeing all these people that I know are killing it and they've stepped out. Like, what can they do? Like, what's, what would you say? All right, I want to buy a rental property. I want to get going. And I know you talk a lot, a lot about not using your own money. So how would that person find a deal, get started, kind of give them some tips to get going? Yeah, to get going. The first thing is, I don't believe in like fake it till you make it. 
like I believe in learn to earn, okay. right? So fake it till you make it assumes that you don't know what you're doing, right? And you're gonna figure it out along the way. And you will, but I believe in like learning to earn. So the most important thing, the most impactful thing I did is get connected with the people that are actually doing it. Yeah. And help them. Right. If you get connected with the people that are actually in the game and you help them and say, hey, how can I help you? I want to do this thing. How can I help you? Will you let me help you? If they are actually a real business owner, they actually an investor and have stuff going on, they're going to have stuff that they can leverage out to you where you can help them. But you get to be in their world. So like proximity is key when you're talking about trying to get into the game. And then the thing that I did to start off with is I listened to hours and hours of Podcast, yeah. podcast, or your average podcast listener is a six-figure earner. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, yeah. but but it um, makes sense. Yeah, so there's tons of free education online. Bigger Pockets is like the the the, yeah. the the classic place to go to get inspired. So that's gonna be more like inspiration, but like get connected with somebody in your local community that's actually doing stuff and. Do whatever you can to get in their circle. Gotcha. Work for free if you have to. Whatever it is, get connected with those people. And that's really what was instrumental to me is I got I got a Nate circle. Yeah. Nate was doing stuff and I was like, hey man, will you teach me to be like you? And he was like, Yeah. And I was like, All right, well, what is it, what does it take? You know? Yeah. And so that's that's kind of and he guided me through those first couple investments and really was instrumental in teaching me how to think. Yeah. Right. Because you have to start thinking different if you want to have a different outcome. Right. Right. And he would I had somebody to go to and get an answer from when I was an employee. And if you're listening to this right now and you're an employee, you have somebody to go to when you don't have the answer that's going to make the decision for you. When you're a business owner or an investor, you have to make that decision. So it's really helpful to have somebody there to guide you when they come to you. And, you know, you're saying when when my students come to me and they're like, hey, Logan, what, do, what should I do? I always say, what do you think you should do? Right. Right. And sometimes they get mad because they're like, just help me. Yeah. And they're like, I am helping you. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm teaching you to make decisions. Yeah. Okay. I, think, I think that's, that's a really good place to start. I mean, uh, it has to become a reality. And if you're surrounded by people who like, they, they don't think that it could be a possibility you're not going to, you know, you're never going to get anywhere. Even if you listen to the podcast and you, you read the books, then you're just like, the guy with the idea, right? But when you're all of a sudden around people who are like, yeah, this is just Tuesday. Like, this is what we do. We right. <laughs> right. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, then it's like, yeah, okay. Because that was kind of my experience too. Like, I remember it was just like this crazy world. Like, oh my gosh. Like, you could buy a house and rent. Like, and then now it's like, not, I mean, I only, I don't have, it's not my predominant yep. business, but even just me and my wife, like we're not foreign to that idea anymore. Like it's not the crazy idea. Well, um, I think a good point of that is people, when you're in proximity, you, you see reality. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, you have to be around some people that have literally said, you know, I did buy that house, cut the grass and sold it for 20 grand. Like that stuff happens, right? but it only happens if you're in the game. That's right. And so to your point, I love the, I love the learning first, like let's learn. Let's be around some people that can influence me and like actually show me that yeah it can be done. It's not the rich uncle or the, the you inherited a bunch of money. It can happen, and then you got to get in the game. Yeah, you yeah. have to get in the game. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you you can learn all you want if you don't take any action. Right, right. But you got to know what you're doing in real estate, right. and, and the kind of the the catalyst for everything. How do you buy deals with none of your own money? Well, you got to find a good deal. Right. Well, how do you know if you have a good deal? Well, you got to know the numbers, right? How do you know the numbers? Well, you got to know what you're looking for, right? So maybe you've 
if you're listening to this and you've got a little bit of experience, you've listened to some podcasts and you're looking at properties, you may be reaching out to some real estate agents and you feel like you're not getting any traction, you're going in 10 different directions. I can tell you nine out of 10 people that come to me that are lacking clarity because they haven't sat down and defined what their box is to buy. Uh, that's good. So do you think like, do you think that's a good thing to just kind of say, I'm looking for, let me just throw out there. I'm looking for this side of town, $150,000, three bedroom, two bath, brick on slab. And I'm going to be laser focused. Is it that, is it that defined? hundred percent. Okay. If you can't picture the house that you want to buy and describe it to someone and they picture it, right. they can't help you find it. Yeah. And what is your greatest resource to find deals? It's your network. Yeah. The biggest and best opportunities that I've bought have all been from my network. I've done the paid marketing, I've done the paid advertising, but the best deals come from your network because you already have trust with those people. So though they, they're your teammates, but yeah. if you don't give them any direction, they can't help you win the game, right? Yeah. So it like it was like, Marcus, I want you to, let's say you guys are builder and architect. And I'm like, y'all, I want you to build me a house in North America. <laughs> okay. And you go and you get all these plans together and you're like, you get the building material together and you bring it to me. And I'm like, y'all, this is not what I want. Like you have a house in Oregon and it's a two story and it's brick. And I'm like, no, I wanted something on the West coast. I mean, on the East coast, I wanted something in Connecticut on the water, single story with a porch all the way around <laughs> right. white front, blue shutters, white Oak floors, right? The, the amount of detail that you can describe what you're going after yeah. will be the level that you're going to achieve the thing that you're trying to do. Right. And in rental properties, it's, what style property, what city, what area of town, what type of property, flood zone, no flood zone, like all the questions that you would normally ask in my world, in the agent world is when you do a buyer's consultation, when you're trying to figure out what a buyer yep. is looking for, you kind of have to do that for yourself as an investor and say, what is my buy box? Like, what am I trying to buy? Okay. Yeah. Let me, so I always had this theory because I've obviously bought as much real estate you, as you, but I've owned, I own some and have bought. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always told, told myself was in watching other people do business deals, real estate included, was somewhat of analysis, you know, paralysis by analysis, right? There's almost a point where you can know, you could analyze deals so much that you don't, you don't ever take the first step. So I've always had this rule of thumb in my mind. You tell me if I'm crazy. I need to know, at least if I've done a few deals, maybe 80%. I need to know about 80%. If it looks good, I got to make a move. Kind of that theory of get in the game. Do you, what, what do you say to that to people who are like, I've been studying for a year, reading real estate books, but I haven't. I had a buddy of mine. He used to tell me that he's like, man, I'm still, I'm still looking. It was like five years. Half, half that. I would say forty percent. <laughs> okay. You, I'm, you I'm know, too conservative. You know, if you want to buy a deal, when you know forty percent of the information. Okay. Gotcha. Right? And if when you first started, that's really scary because you wanna you wanna know everything. But if you're just getting started and you're trying to buy your first one get in the deal. I'm not telling you to buy a bad deal. I'm right. not telling you to buy something that's going to lose money, but get in the deal. The first one doesn't have to be a slam dunk. The first one is to shift your mindset that it's possible for you. That's a good point too. Let, let me, uh, this, this may, this is what I remember coming home and telling my wife this when I, um, there's a guy you probably know him. He told me this and it completely changed my perspective. He's like the first deal he got in real estate, he paid after everything was said and done, he paid $30 a month to own the house. Yeah. But he said, I also paid $30 a month for Netflix or whatever, you know, whatever. He's like, yeah. now I own that house. And like, he's like, would you pay $30 a month to own a house in 10 years or what? Like, yeah, probably. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. so like that was a quote bad deal, right? Right. Yeah. And he it only cost him thirty dollars a month, but 
every it, it catapulted his whole you know real estate career, and he's practically retired now, yeah. you know, and a, a young guy. So yeah, getting over that first deal hump is like everything like that. And, that's, and you're exactly right. Cause people tend to look at deals in the short term with analysis paralysis. Yeah. And one of the things I teach investors to do is look out over the course of time. Yeah. Because real estate is one of those things that like, if you can just wait and you can stomach the cash flow and you can hold the asset, if you wait long enough, you will typically win. Right. Right. So that deal in 10 years, he probably has $100,000 in equity in it, even though it's costing him 30 bucks a month. If he did that 10 times, he's a millionaire. I know. Right? You know I think, too, and I think, too, speaks to your point about learning and understanding numbers is that even on a deal where you, like, let's just, and you financed it. So let's just put that out there. Even on a deal like that where you're paying $30 a month, in an economic and accounting sense, you're still profiting because only your somebody has paid all of your holding costs. They paid the interest, which people think they're note, but really, if somebody just pays your interest, your taxes, your insurance, and anything else that goes along with it, and you had to come out of pocket to pay the principal, you're still okay. Like even and that would be like, why would I do that? And um, we're giving you the worst case scenario yeah. here. Well, we're trying to paint the picture was, of you're still so winning. Per, I think that's why it was so persuasive. Is it forced me to recognize all those? Yeah. realities. They're yeah. like, wow, yeah. Even if I spend $30, all of this other that I'm saving in tax appreciation right. and it, like the equity that I'm building, all of it's so much more valuable. It made me like get over that mentality of like, I got to be really careful here. I'm going to get screwed or whatever, which yeah. is caution is good. I know that's not what yeah. anybody's advocating here is recklessness, but it just got you over that hump of, um, yeah, once you're in it, you can, you can, you're a part of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. People like they ask me about when I got started and stuff and I'll tell them, you know, it's like, guys, the tools that I'm giving you and helping you with, I didn't have any of this. Right. Like I literally was doing math on the calculator on my phone. I had no spreadsheet. I had no numbers. I was just like, this looks good. I think I can make some money on it. I'm going to do the deal. Right. And I was literally, you know, putting a hundred grand out there not my money, some of it, my money, but putting a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars out here on these flips and my math wasn't that good, y'all. <laughs> and I still made, I made some money, right? We right. were conservative enough that we made some money, but it doesn't have to be super sophisticated to start, but you do need to have some, some baseline of what right. you're judging as a deal or not. Right. Right. The deal itself is very personal, right? A deal to me can be a terrible deal to Marcus. Right. It, it depends on what you are looking to do with real right. estate investing. You you have clients, I'm sure, Marcus, that they'll buy stuff that cash flow is negative all day long because they need the tax benefit. Right. They need the depreciation to offset some other stuff that they have going on. Yep. So they don't care that the real estate's losing money. Right? I used to look at those deals all the time. I'm like, how are these guys buying this? I don't know about taxes back then when I first started. Right. I'm like. Why would you do this? This is so dumb. It's cash flow negative, right? But I didn't understand enough when I started to yeah. be like, oh, there's other reasons why somebody's going to buy real estate other than the the net cash flow at the end of each month. Yeah, when you throw back the the savings from depreciation and, and the losses they're taking, like, well, maybe it does cash flow a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, that's the missing piece. All right, so we're kind of talking about getting your mindset right, believing it can happen. That's got to be the first step, right? You got to learn. You got to understand that, like, I can actually do this. Like, it's not a scam. People actually do make money. <laughs> You can, you believe that can happen. You've seen it happen. All right. So tell me about analyzing deals, what you're looking for, how that first time investor can kind of get going with a profitable deal. 
so I always, I, I used to, again, look at it from a snapshot and kind of look at it from the beginning and go f- go out from, from today. And what I've learned is you got to really look at it from the end and then come back forward. Okay. Right? So if you're setting goals or this works for everything, if you're analyzing a business, when you buy a business, you got to know who you plan on selling that business to or if you plan on keeping it forever. Same thing with real estate. You want to know who the buyer for it, for it is before you acquire it. And if you're not clear on who the buyer is, don't buy it. Oh, that's a good point. So you're saying get a deal that you know you could eventually easily sell? Yes. Okay. You want to know who you're exiting it to, right? If you're buying a low-income property, you know it's probably going to be another investor. So we can't really take – we can't really – in this example of a low-income property, we're not going to about to get retail for it, right? Because we know the only person that's going to buy that house is likely another investor. And they're not paying retail. They're not paying retail, yeah. right? So we have to know who our end buyer is to then look at, all right, how long are we going to hold this for? And what is our exit? And then we work our way backwards from there to see what can we pay for it today, okay. right? And just a simple math to kind of what do we can pay for it today is whatever the, the after-repaired value is, okay, right? Times 0.7. Okay. And what we're going to do there is... So let's say $100,000 property. Make the math easy. 100, yeah, $100,000 property. So 80 grand, you got to put 20 in it. Fair to, you said after repair value? After repair value, you oh, said 100. Oh, what right? it's worth. Yeah, so okay. once we fix it up, it's going to be worth 100 grand. That's gotcha. what the comps say that it's going to appraise for. Got so it. we start with, with, the, with the after repair comps. Got it. Then we're going to multiply that times 0.7. Okay. Right? So now we have $70,000. What we did was we took out some holding costs. Yep. We took out some realtor fees if we're going to flip it. Right. If we're going to refinance it and hold it long term, then we have to have some money in there, which won't be realtor fees. Now they're going to be funding fees for the bank loan. Right. right? And then we have some profit in there. We have 20 percent margin in there. So 10 percent of that's going to be just kind of holding costs and fees. Right. 20 percent is going to be margin and equity that we want to keep in it. Right. Then we're going to subtract out the repairs. Let's say in this case it has, needs twenty thousand dollars worth of repairs. That means that we're gonna our max offer is fifty thousand dollars on that okay. property. And what that does is using that formula that gives you the ability to, to do two things: to flip it, mm-hmm. or to refinance it and get all of your cash out of it, or an investor's cash out of it, and you can be in the deal with no money. And now you have an asset that's gonna pay you every month with some equity in it, and you don't have any cash in the deal. So let me ask you this, because I, I know the, the question I'd be asking is, okay, what if I can't find a deal where I can buy it on, you know, in that example, 70 cents on the dollar or 70 cents on the dollar after repairs? Yeah. So how are you finding them? What are you doing? Time or money. Okay. Okay. If you have time, then you need to get connected with somebody that's really good at finding deals and they're going to teach you how to find deals, how to find those opportunities. The first real practical way is just to tell everyone what you're looking for. Yeah. Tell everyone you know. Tell Bill at the gas station that you stop by and get a coffee every morning that you're looking to buy houses and ask him if he knows anybody that inherited a house or maybe somebody that's going through a divorce and ask him if he knows anybody that's selling a home. The second way is with money. You can pay people that find deals a fee for for them to bring you a great deal or you can pay for marketing where those deals come to you. Okay. So either time or money is kind of at the beginning, you usually have more time than you have money. Right. And so you're going to spend time learning the skill set of acquiring those deals. If you're like, hey, look, Logan, I don't want to learn that. And I have plenty of money. I would rather just pay. There are people out there. They're called wholesalers. Yeah. All they do is they search for deals all day long and then they go sell them to the end investors. Okay. Right. So you get connected with those. Those would be like the we buy ugly houses people. Right. Those people are finding deals for a living. That's how they make their money. And they're selling them to other investors. So call every one of those signs, get on the websites, fill out the forms and get on their buyers list and tell them what you're looking to buy. Right. And they're going to bring you opportunities and they're going to make a fee 
for bringing you those opportunities. Gotcha. So, okay, so that's a great, that's a great deal, right? I would say that's a, like, that's a, that's a time or money, but it's going to be a better deal. It's going to give you a lot of margin. Do you advocate anybody doing it all? Like a lot of people have done, they get a realtor, find it on the MLS, pay retail for it. Cause even to the point Tyler made, I want to contrast it with that style and see what you yeah. think. You could have a deal like that where you probably don't cash flow very well, yep. but maybe you have a good job or you own a business and it's a transition for you. Do you advocate any of that? Like somebody saying, I know the margins won't be as good, or do you really try to coach people to try to find the good deals? It depends on their situation. If they have the cash and they're okay putting the 20% down and injecting that, that, that down payment from the beginning, that's fine. It's, if they're going to hold it long-term, there's really no risk. Right. Right. Because they have the margin in it, as long as they can can stomach that cash flow loss, if there is a cash flow loss there, then if they're going to hold it long term, their equity is going to be fine. The challenge is, is when you have no margin, if you're not buying any equity in it other than the, your money, then your equity is at risk. That's why the bank makes you put it there. Right. So if you have to sell it for whatever reason, maybe in 12 or 24 months and the market goes south on you you are risking your own capital gotcha. and I don't like to risk my capital, right? right? If I put my capital into a deal, I want to have equity on top of that, that I didn't pay for Gotcha. that I negotiated. Okay. So I'm a big proponent of negotiate, even if you're going to pay. And let's be really clear. I have people buying no money down deals on the MLS in Lafayette, right? Right now, today, I have students that are that are doing these type of deals. So you can find deals on the MLS. They're just not going to look like deals yeah. from the surface. You know, if you list that's uh, a good point. If you list a, a, a house in Broadmoor, right, that's outdated and it's way below the comps, it's going to get thirty offers, right? That's not a that, that's not a surprise, right? Everyone knows that that's a good opportunity. So it's that's not going to be a deal because people are going to bid it way up. Finding the ones that don't look like deals and being creative and how you can structure them and negotiate them, those are the ones, right? Yeah. The, the best investors I know, they find opportunities that are in plain sight that everyone else misses. Well, I would say this. I mean, the last, I'm in a commercial deal right now, and I just came in and offered them literally $65,000 less than they were asking. And they countered. I mean, to the point of, I just, it was on the MLS, but it didn't, they weren't getting any other offers. So offered them 65 grand less than they were asking. They came down 50 grand and we settled. But just because, two points, I was in the game and at least willing to try, like to your point, some things are on the MLS, but just because they're asking a price doesn't mean they're going to sell it for that. It's my favorite thing that I, like when we're going over this, yeah. you know, when I'm teaching this is like, the list price has nothing to do with my offer price. Yeah. It, they're completely independent and like I do not the list price might not even well be written on there because I'm gonna make an offer that makes sense to me. Yeah. Right? The list price has no bearing on my offer price. Do you find people get either intimidated or reluctant to do that because they don't want to insult people? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, is you the potential of you upsetting somebody yeah. more important than you losing money? Like, that's really what it is. Like, yeah, when you boil it down. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, it all depends on the, the personality yeah. type, right? right. Um, and those that are more wired for analysis paralysis, right? The CPA types, the engineer types, right? Hey, watch it, watch it. Hey, hey, look, <laughs> those need more pushing to right. do, to, to get into activity. Right. And then I have others that are on the other side of that fence where like, they're just jumping off the building and I'm like, hey take this parachute with you, <laughs> right? right? So depending on the style of the person, you're going to run into different roadblocks with them. Yeah. Um, but typically the people that are going to be really good at finding deals 
are not going to run into that. I don't know where to find these. Right. Right. Those are typically going to be more the analytical types. And the analytical types are almost never going to get in a bad deal, which is good. So I have found, and if you if you're really afraid to do this on your own, finding a partner is a great thing to do. But just make sure that they have a, a different skill set than you, yeah. right? I, I found the best partnerships are the person that's going to go out there and hunt, and the other person is the person that's going to clean the kill, right? Mm, okay. And so those type of partnerships, not just in real estate but in business, I found to work really, really well. You have the person who's very sales driven, very opportunity driven. They're going to go and beat the bushes. And the other person's like, whoa, hold on. Like, do we, do we check all the boxes here? Right. When you get those people together, you land somewhere in the middle and that's where the magic happens. And that's where you're going to be most successful. Gotcha. Yeah, I can picture I had a client one time who was a, a brokerage uh, for um, a financial broker and they had a picture and it was just like about that. Basically, like, if you don't stick with your strategy, like no strat. I mean, the, the power of the strategy is the discipline and using it. You yeah, know right. what I mean? So it's, it's less about, I mean, there's a thousand ways you can make money in real estate if you stay disciplined to what you're trying to do. It really yeah. is. It really is true. Cause I mean, I, I'm a victim of that. I like, I'm, I'm kind of a victim of the shiny new object syndrome and in real estate. I mean, you, just you could be like, do I want to buy multifamily? Do I want to flip a house? Do I want to buy a commercial deal? Do I want to buy industrial? Yeah. I mean, you, you could. But I think the greatest, one of the best points you made was, and I think I've noticed, I've noticed this about you. You're pretty disciplined about what you do. Buy just, just pick an area, learn everything about it. That's right. Learn the the what's a three bedroom, two bath. I, I keep going back, mm-hmm. brick on slab, and that area. What does it go for? And you'll be the expert. You'll know if it's supposed to be one fifty and it's selling for one twenty five. And that's when the magic happens because when you become the expert, then people call you with the opportunities. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? Yeah. So when you, people are like, I want to do everything. I don't want to miss anything. But it's like, no, if you just focus on one thing, those opportunities are going to come to you because yeah. now you are the person for that. And I will say this. I think you've kind of, the thing, the person you were alluding to earlier is a person I'm going to mention, a real estate investor I know really well, literally says, and this guy's done more real estate than all of us combined. And he'll say stuff like, well, I don't do commercial. I don't understand it. Like, I heard Charlie Munger say that, Warren Buffett's partner. Yeah. He'll say things like, we don't buy certain uh, stocks because we don't understand them. Like, if you don't have the humility to, to say you don't understand something, to be disciplined, like, they go hand in hand. That discipline mm-hmm. with the humility of, like, I don't know multifamily, so I don't buy it. That's okay. But I know single family, and I buy it all day long. Like, I think that's a great place to be. And I think people are maybe worried to, to say that. Like, I don't understand it, so I don't buy it. But like, this is the investor I know, knows a hundred times more, forgot more real estate than I know, saying, oh, I wouldn't buy a commercial deal. I don't understand it. Like, that's a, I was yeah. like blown away by that. Yeah, not, oh, I don't think you can make money doing it. I mean, obviously. Yeah, not just, no, he's yeah, just like, just, I'm not going to risk my capital doing <laughs> yeah. it because I don't understand it. I was uh, like, that's, brilliant. That's development with me. I get people ask me once a week about, wow, I'm, I saw this piece of property. I want to do this development. I'm like, y'all. I'm not the expert in this. Like I'm the guy that buys the distress, the distressed properties that are people are going to live in. Like that is my jam. I know <laughs> some of it. I can I can get in the weeds enough with the development to get myself in trouble. But like I'm not the guy for that. Go talk to so and so. So I think that yeah that understanding what you know and what you don't know is important. But to what you said, it's like just sticking to one thing. If you just stick to one thing long enough, like you're going to have some success. Right. Most people underestimate the amount of work that they need to do to get started. Mm-hmm. And they also underestimate the impact that their life will be in five to 10 years if they just stick with it. Oh, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it with a ton of clients where it's like, I've been kicking myself over the last like 
that's why I got bought that commercial deal. I was telling, like, I was like, man, why am I not buying real estate? <laughs> like, I preach it. I know it. I, I, um, I need to be back in it. So to everybody listening, yeah, get started. Get the people I know that got started earlier. It's like anything over time. They it's, it's amazing. It's like one of the, like, you know, they say compound interest aid wonder of the world, yeah. 100% true. I mean, zooming out big time just in like where we are, like in sort of like with technology and opportunities and all this other stuff. And like, I mean, I, I think it's way easier to, I think it'll be way more common for people to own real estate than ever before. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I just think more and more of my peers, like it's just part of their portfolio of things they have. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you think about that. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't want to get way into the weeds of this. I know Marcus loves this stuff and I do too, but the, if we get into more of the blockchain technology coming into real estate where you can own fractional, (laughs) where you can own fractional shares of real estate, fractional shares of the title, where then it becomes a lot more palatable to do partnerships where you can just buy pieces of it without having to do all this extra paperwork and hire attorneys. If that comes to fruition, I think it's going to, it will be exponentially easier for the average person. Oh man. Don't, don't break, don't, don't bring him into this. He's been talking about this. Like, cause I'm, you know, we, I've talked about crypto in the terms of investing and he's always brought up, because he has some real estate background, this titling and yes. the and the and the uh, custodial aspects of blockchain yeah, and moving the money around and mortgages, all of that stuff could be so disruptive. Oh, we can't we can't go down that route. We, we, we got to bring no, it back. Yeah, right, yeah, we got to right. so another that's, podcast. We bring it back. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, all right. So to kind of summarize, learn before you earn. Yep. Be disciplined. Know what you want. Tell every, tell everybody. Tell everybody. That's one hundred percent true. And get in the game. Get in the Anything game. Anything else? All right, so <laughs> this is the last thing, right? This yeah, is because yeah. it's the thing I'm most excited about right, right now. All right, I love it. Um, it is a strategy that I recently learned. I've kind of been known about it for years, but because of the current credit cycle and the and the interest rate market, is doing subject to deals. Have you guys ever heard of these? I think I have. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be, have humility here. No, tell me. So tell me, Sensei. So <laughs> it's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. So basically, How much time we got? what <laughs> you're gonna do is you're gonna go and buy. A property, you're going to get the title to it, but the mortgage is going to stay in the current seller's name and you're going to take over the payments for them. Ah, because as an investor, I'm looking at what is this property going to cost me every month? If I can go get somebody's house at a 3% or 4% interest rate, I can afford to pay them more money for it than if I have to go put 7% debt on it. And whatever their equity balance is, right, maybe they don't have any equity. And the only way that they can actually sell the property is we're in a declining market is if they do have somebody take over their payments where they can move on to their next thing. Maybe they do have some equity and you can work out either a seller finance on that or you can write them a cash check at closing for the balance. But taking over their mortgage will allow lots of properties to buy a cash flow as rentals that otherwise would not. And that strategy gives us the greatest opportunity right now in today's market to buy deals that would no one would else be able to buy. I'm just going to go back and say the yeah. first point, <laughs> learn before you earn. Yes. Yeah, that is a because great way to had, summarize it. I had that same thing subject to explained to me one time and I was like, all right, explain it to me again. Like I'm a five year old and it was, it was, there's a lot of moving pieces to it, but it, so let me give the example. This is a great analogy. <laughs> so the five year old example, Okay. Marcus has his American express card. Okay. Marcus goes to the store and he buys a bag of groceries. He has the bag of groceries and he has the receipt. The receipt is his title. The bag of groceries is the asset. Yep. 
Who paid for it? American Express. So Marcus comes to me and is like, hey, Logan, I'll sell you the bag of groceries and I'll give you the receipt saying that you own it. And I'm like, all right, I'll buy it from you. I buy it. Who owes American Express? Marcus. Marcus. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to say, hey, Marcus, I'm going to take care of your American Express bill for you now that I have these groceries. So your name's still on the charge, but I'm going to pay the I'm going to pay the American Express bill. That is how a subject to deal works. Wait, literally title of the property goes where would to to me I'm getting the the mortgage is in the other person's name. That's correct. And you pay their American Express bill on their behalf. And that doesn't prevent them from going buy another house. The bank just wants to see if they go buy another one that the mortgage is getting paid, not by the person. There's got to be some. There's got to be some binding paperwork on that. Obviously, in the middle there saying is. This you're is liable all, for. It. This is like guys. This is all yeah, legal. This is the, the people do thousands of these deals a year, and it's all legitimate. It does require some extra steps outside of a normal transaction. Right. So you should definitely get with somebody that has all the paperwork that has done this right. before. Um, but yeah, it's super interesting and I'm super excited about it. Okay. And so if you guys want to learn more about this, I actually teach this stuff, guys. I do uh, two day events where I teach people how to do all these things, give them all the groundwork. And we have some accountability after that, where we do some group sessions where you can not only get the knowledge, but you can be with a community of people that are trying to buy their first deal and kind of in it together. So um, I teach this stuff if you want to know more. If not, there's tons of free resources. There's tons of stuff you can find online on how to be a better real estate investor. All right. So if people do want, they say, okay, Logan, I'm, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling. How do they get in touch with you? Getting your getting your program, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can find me. You can, guys can find me on Facebook and shoot me a message on there, Logan Bowers. You can go on Instagram, Narrow Way to Wealth, or I'm going to give you guys my cell phone number, 337-257-7102. Just shoot me a text message. Wow. And you have direct access to me now. There you go. Ooh. You can learn. Access. Awesome. Thank you, man. This is great. Yeah. All right, until next time. Until next time.